0: Trails Collective. Welcome to Voices from the Collective, a podcast coming to you from the mouth of the East Coast in upstate New York. I'm your sometimes host, Ellie Pell. This episode is a broadcast from the Trails Collective live show featuring guests from Trails Collective founder Ian Golden's roots. In these episodes, we get to learn a little bit about the man behind the microphone and the man behind the Ithaca running community through the eyes and stories of his friends. Today he talks to Sean Messner, running coach and donut eating Jedi Knight. Sean actually coaches my training partner Colin, and I am thrilled when Sean modifies Colin's training plans just so he can sync up with me. What a guy! This episode is packed with knowledge both to entertain and encourage you toward whatever your running is going to be this year. This episode is sponsored by Snickerdoodles. Though I take a hibernation route during the winter months, other runners here on the East Coast throw caution to the wind and race in single-digit and even sub-zero temperatures. Imagine, you're running up to an aid station during a winter race. This is the first sign of human life you've seen in hours. Your fingers are frozen to your poles, and the only sign of emotion through your ice beard is the blinking of your eyes. Then a kind volunteer hands you a warm, huge, freshly baked snickerdoodle and invites you in to take a minute to defrost in their warm arms before loading you with three more cookies to get you through those remaining miles. I couldn't believe that I landed this sponsorship for the Trails Collective and you can support us too by eating as many snickerdoodles as you can from now until spring. Don't hold back and track your numbers on your favorite app. Ian is going for the standard 50 cookies per week approach, but others are more ambitious, uh, upping their aspirations, pushing 100 cookies a week and over 200,000 vertical glasses of milk. Join the challenge and grab yourself a warm snickerdoodle to fuel both your miles and what we're building here on the Trails Collective.
1: All right, Trails Collective World, Uh, Ian here, along with guests tonight, Sean Meiser and Alex Papadopoulos. Uh, This is the uh, weekly rundown in the new format where we are going a bit longer with some of the guests and trying to have more uh, interaction. Past year and a half or so, we had people, which was pretty cool in terms of weighing in with their own video clips following races. Uh, But I thought I'd try a new format just to make it more interactional this year and we'll see how it goes. The next uh, five weeks or so is part of what I build as the root sessions, and it's just me uh, having fun catching up with friends that I don't get uh, a chance to catch up with enough that were part of my roots in uh, the trail and the ultra and just community spaces. Uh, So that's what these uh, sessions will be uh, geared toward. Uh, I'll still do a lead in here for the rundown. Uh, It's a little bit slower in terms of the number of activities that are running, at least on the Northeast trail scene. So it's probably a good time of year to be uh, trying this format. For those of you who may be tuning in, uh, at least in, in real time, and we may catch the comments live after the fact as well, uh, feel free to drop a comment. I think if you are tuning into this via the Trails Collective Facebook feed or the Trails Collective YouTube feed, I believe I'll see your comments in the comment box. And I can uh, patch those in and feel free to drop any comments or questions for me or the guests. And if you're following the feed on my own personal Facebook page, for whatever reason, I don't think the comments uh, patch in. So if you want to uh, send in a comment, uh, head over to the Trails Collective Facebook site or the Trails Collective YouTube site, and I may see those comments there. Um, It may just be that I don't really want to see your comment, and I'll just pretend that that's why, and I I couldn't see them. Uh, So... And then after the fact, these videos will be hanging out uh, there for watching later. They'll also be turned into a podcast version, thanks to Ellie Pell. And so wherever you catch your uh, podcasts, you can catch them there. Uh, so uh, I'll dig it. Oh, also, yeah, I'll just dig into the rundown and we'll get into it. So uh, first and foremost, I want to uh, say thanks not only to Sean and Alex, who are on here with me, uh, giving us a bit of their time tonight, uh, but also to those who are supporting the Trails Collective and uh, what we're trying to do. And that's really just uh, cover more of the trail running in the Northeast, uh, provide a voice, provide a, a point of connection and bring us all together a little bit more. Uh, try to give some exposure to maybe events and individuals that may have had uh, not gotten national exposure through other outlets and also be able to support athletes uh, such as what we did with um, uh, la qualifying with the golden ticket at bandera a week or so ago and a couple other individuals who we also supported to be out there uh, thanks to all those who are supporting and sharing in your own feeds uh, in your own networks thanks to those who are on as a patreon supporter uh, for the month of january and the start of february you came on chris o'brien with the running inside out podcast art Byron of the culture trail and ultra podcast Amy Hanlon, Team MPF, RNR member, and all-around rock star. Steven Estramera from Conquer the World Endurance Events. And Kiwana uh, Dyer-Pietresk, uh, recently joining the Beast Coast, uh, in from Texas. So uh, thanks to all the Trails Collector supporters out there. All right, a few uh, items just uh, taking in any other media this week. It was uh, limited on my end and what I could get to. Uh, on Cultra's January 29th podcast, though, the crew got on with Ryan Plackle. Ryan Plockelman uh, of the Adventure Jogger, uh, formerly East Coast Trail and Ultra, uh, really well-done podcast. Ryan's really uh, committed, so check out uh, that and his, his interview with Cultra. Uh, the Breakneck Point uh, Marathon, at least the men's field so far, is shaping up to be one of the most competitive events on the East Coast, uh, behind probably Cayuga Trails in one of our early years, or Rock in uh, more of the early years. Uh, it's a team selection or qualifying race for the world team this year. And so it is bringing out some, some speedsters. And so I'm always excited for breakneck. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how that shakes out Uh hot list. Uh, that would be events that are registration is open, but they are filling up the enchanted for six hour squatchy onesie fest, 5k marathon uh, fire on the rocks uh, down in PA holiday Lake 50 K uh, they're 25 K uh, within the event. Uh, running february 19th uh they are all above 90 percent full so if any of those uh, hit your radar now would be the time of time to sign up uh registration is about to open on february 10th the smr may apple trail runs uh, distances one mile through 50 mile running may 21st in milburn new jersey is about to open and on february 15th the mountain lakes backyard ultra last person standing running june 17th in north salem new york is about to open Some of the events uh, going into this year that are about to uh, kick up and and go live in terms of the event calendar this weekend, Uh, the Duck 100K starts uh, Friday night down on the Delmarva Peninsula. Pretty cool cult classic uh, growing down there where you don't really get any details of the event ahead of time. You basically just have to show up at a certain time and you find out what you're going to do at that point. starts at midnight on Friday, and then it dovetails into the Algonquin 50K uh with Trent Swanson down there the following morning. Uh so pretty cool events they had pretty miserable weather last year which I think is just yeah. the Delmarva it's just a miserable scene with really crappy trails. Uh but you should probably all go run that anyway, maybe. Uh Mid-Maryland Trail Festival 50K goes down in Elkridge, Maryland, the Squatchy Onesie Fest 5K marathon in Mawa, New Jersey. Uh Frigus Snowshoe Festival in Gansvort, New York. Uh the twat 200 Uh, One in the Trails Collective uh, lineup or rankings of toughest trail races in the Northeast and probably much tougher than anything that Sean would run or that exists in Colorado is going down. Just started this week. Uh, It does 25 mile loops on a pretty burly loop down there in Virginia. And Alex could probably weigh in on that loop uh, here. If he's so inclined in a minute but that just started with the 200 mile i believe there's two individuals out and i think they did, ran the first loop together in around seven hours 45 minutes uh yes. but that is a burly burly event uh the frozen snot 8.3 miler and 13.5 milers also some of the toughest per mile on the east coast with really significant elevation gains some technical terrain and just running in winter with some snow and ice up high that is going down and we'll be hopefully excited to uh, talk about that live in next week's episode. So tune in, we'll see who, who we bring on uh, to talk shop. And then the black Canyon Hunter K out of our region, going down in Arizona uh, one of a really large uh, well-done event also brings out really good fields. Uh, I think their events are always pretty good party scenes, but there are a number of individuals from all over uh, particularly our region going out and including some of the Trails Collective uh, crew. Uh, And so I'm really excited, Uh, big um, good luck to all of them out there uh, from Riley Brady to one of my employees and friends, uh, Amelia Kaufman, and then uh, Rachel Spaulding out of Virginia, who I think can really be in the cards for a golden ticket. Um, I'm gonna be really excited to to tune in and try to catch that live this weekend. And then the last piece of the uh, weekly rundown Uh, would be the results. The Tartic uh, frozen Yeti in Massachusetts, 15 mile, 30 hours, ran this past weekend in the weather pushback date. I couldn't, uh, I saw some good words that Chris Riston of Mass Ultra posted about it and some photos there, Uh, but it was pretty cryptic to try to find any information on the event, let alone results, but that did go down. And the other one, which we will segue, uh, one of our guests of the evening is Alex Papadopoulos. Uh, Alex has been on in uh, prior episodes, uh, weighing in and Uh, from some of the results and getting uh, communicating with some of the entrants to get voices in from some of his events. Uh, But he has an uh, event company called athletics equations, puts on a number of events in Virginia, as well as a a secret one that I would tell you about, but I can't really tell you about, but you'll just have to find it on your own, but it's outside of uh, Virginia and it's kind of like the fight club where you're not really supposed to talk about it, Uh, but it's pretty burly one. And Alex has been all over himself as well. I think are you the have the most hurt one hundred finishers? Not to jinx you. Is that you? Not to jinx me, yeah.
2: Not to that's, jinx you at the moment. That's
1: correct. Including another one uh this past year, as well
2: as I was you were in the Dragons back, ran Dragons back last year, right? Was yeah, that... Dragons back two thousand, yeah, yeah, last year twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah, so quite the glutton for uh punishment you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's a bit on you, uh, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about uh, Athletics Equation. Sean, feel free to jump in on any of this if you feel so inclined. Otherwise, no worries there, and then uh, introduce us to IC8 and how the event went down this
2: weekend. Yeah, of course. Uh, first, thanks for having me, Ethan. Uh, good to meet you, Sean. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so Athletic Equation, we got the ball rolling, myself and my good buddy Scar Crab back in uh, 2005, and the idea has always been and focus around small organic if you want to say grassroots events we never exceed more than about 100 120 folks and that's to keep the experience small and intimate uh we started our events uh, our three core events are an eight hour 12 hour 24 hour Uh, and then you mentioned a couple other uh secret events out there ian Uh, but our 8 12 and 24 they were designed originally to attract new ultra runners to the uh to our community like i said small grassroots but also in a non-stress environment. Yeah, many times you get people get, they're worried about cutoffs, uh, especially your mid to back of the Packers, people who are just getting into the event, uh, into the ultra scene. So what we really focus on is taking off that stress and uh, focusing on the new new ultra runner. If you want to see people who are just getting exposed to the sport and working on making a, uh, having a top notch event, Uh, all our volunteers, like in many of the cases are, we're all ultra runners ourselves. And it's, it's really nice over the last, you know, now we're going on 17 years watching the, the, uh, the races grow. Uh, and, you know, you know, I say, we, uh, it is, a, as an organizer, one thing I found that, you know, or race organizations, as you know, we're, we work on permits, we work the background, the logistics, but it's all about the race day operations. And where does that come from? Uh, it comes from strength and volunteers. And that's, uh, that's why with athletic equation, we, uh, you know, we, I say we, because, you know, granted, I'm sitting here talking to everyone, everyone, you know, to you guys, to whoever's listening, but it's really the folks, uh, you know, everyone who's helped out in the past. They're with me right now. If you want to say that's, that's what I believe. And that's, what we believe in it's a group effort. Uh, and you know, as a volunteer, uh, you know, we've, uh, you know, become a family. Now the races themselves, we've added a, a couple unique, uh, twists to them with the ICA. Uh, we've got a short little out and back that you get to a figure eight loop. Uh, and it, the figure it, figure eights, they have a bottom circle and a top circle, right? So if you do the whole loop, it's eight, it's eight miles. If you do the lower loop, it is 4.7 miles. So you've got two loops of 4.7 and eight miles to, min- to manipulate, uh, to maximize your miles. So you see, uh, you know, many times you see des- the, yeah, decisions going bad, too much time in the aid stations, uh, you know all of the classic things that you see in point to point play a big factor in uh, you know the difference be- between second place and sixth place or eighth place. You and know? this is
1: the entrants are going for max distance um, for yes. this one. Yeah, yep.
2: exactly, exactly, max distance. So it, so it, so yeah. You know, as I said earlier, you know, we've got you know the format is to attract new runners, but at the same time we've got we get some uh, unique uh, high end folks. Uh, you know, I'll name drop uh, Olivier LeBlanc uh, you know, one of the top, uh, uh, 24 and 48 hour runners in the country. And he's pushing, you know, close to 50 our age right now, which is downright impressive. And you know, his, his first win was at one of our trail events. Uh, and why I say that is because, you know, he had his strategy down and he continues to push the envelope within the ICA. And I think that was his first win, mm-hmm. uh, but it was unique because we've had other folks like Chris Roberts come in. And they just, they come in and they just, they work that distance and they, you know, and it's, you know, a minute or two here, you're too long in the aid station. And you, and like I said, you go from a podium down to a seventh or eighth spot, uh, you know, so it makes the event really exciting. And, you know, as an organizer here, we are sitting timing it, uh, talking to the the, uh, the volunteers and the runners and no one, the thing that also makes it great is while they're out there, no one really knows what place they're in. So you're constantly having to push uh push that envelope sort of uh like the Manitou's revenge where you're released every five minutes in mm-hmm. groups of men and you know you're you're either you're being hunt you're you're the hunter or you're being hunted. So you've got to push uh you know at that maximum level the whole time. Uh and we've structured a couple of our other races like this and it just becomes a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. It, it and, is I, an I
1: enjoy- and I enjoyed that format. I in, in Manitou's, at least this past year, with uh, mm-hmm. going to in that wave format, and I uh, intentionally, based on my fitness at the time, I think uh, scaled down my projection. And They put me in <laughs> not the fastest wave, and I really enjoyed it because I didn't get sucked into going out harder than I uh, should, which Sean knows I'm, I'm probably pretty good at. And it <laughs> regulated the uh, effort pretty well, uh, and so <laughs> actually, I actually like that format that you're using.
2: Yeah. And it just, it it makes it a lot of fun and it's dynamic uh, for the runners. Uh, You know, the the plug, the other plug that's sort of fun is after a certain period of time um, and we release it if we we do all our race briefs online. So all the key information is pushed online. And for those people who decide to miss the mandatory race brief uh, you know, we've incorporated a new little piece, which I should not give away, which is you're also allowed to run the loops backwards so that so that so just you know it you know it creates chaos it's chaos out there it's chaos out there but you know you get to you know instead of you know you you know you've run loop races before where you know you do this four or five mile loop and the only time you see people is at the aid station because you're stuck in this little bubble but then you know you decide to run a reverse loop and you start to meet all these new people and then you know as you guys know the best part of you know whether you're organizing or you're running is, you know, the post event, you know, hanging out with all the people and, you know, damn it, everyone just, you know, all of a sudden you just see this camaraderie come together from, you know, you can tell there's little pods of people that show up, but then just that pod just grows and grows and, you know, everyone just comes in together Mm -hmm. and just, you can just tell people just have a great time uh, builds new friendships that way. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it 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 becomes unique and special. So we've uh, we've done that with Athletic Equation. Uh, you know, we keep our events fairly small. Uh, one of our our top events, our twenty four hour, our first event, one hundred percent percent of those proceeds, uh, all way or excuse me, I should say proceeds net proceeds, go towards uh, we go to the Semper Fi Fund and an organization called Band of Runners, which focuses on uh, trail running for. Uh, uh, military veterans uh, uh, through like, augment therapy, augment therapies, whether it's PTSD, but just getting out on the trails uh, and helping people uh, connect with trails and finding finding new outlets, uh, and that's bandofrunners.org, a great organization, and you know, humble to be proud of. Uh, excuse me, humble to be a part of. Cool. I'm glad you plugged it.
1: I don't think that that organization was on my radar, so I'll check it out.
2: Yeah, check it out. Yeah,
3: yeah Band of Runners is great. That's cool that you do that, yep. now. That's awesome. Yeah, you're part of them, right? Aren't you, Sean? Uh, I I helped out at one of the trail camps in um, Texas. I don't know, like four four or five years ago. It was okay. Awesome. It was. Yeah, super. I thought you, I thought you looked
2: familiar. I was like, I was yeah, trying to play. you. Yeah, maybe,
3: maybe, or maybe that's where we met. I don't know, but yeah, it was. I, I loved that weekend. It was incredible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. And how this year shake out? Was it a good? Yeah. Good
2: so year? this this year's ICA was. Uh, you know I. We have to say, looking at it, I think, you know, be straight up. I think Omicron hit a little bit of a speed bump early in Mm -hmm. early December. Uh, But, you know, we had we were 70 strong this time around. Uh, Top top honors went to Seth Siliano, defended his title from last year with 47 miles. I just do the quick plug plugs. Uh, He's from here locally in Virginia. Stephanie Hill, uh, she rounded up the uh, the women's with uh, 42.3 miles. Uh, but it was cool. You know, we, we kicked in, uh, 1,977.3 miles in the eight hours. And, yeah, you know, so it, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was unique. Uh, you know, I don't know how this, the, uh, the weather was up there, but down in Virginia, we got, the area got cr- absolutely crushed with, mm-hmm. uh, snows in early January. And, you know, they, uh, myself and a couple of other volunteers, we were down in the park on Wednesday before the race, scouting trail clearing trail and you know one one thing that goes i think sort of unsung uh you know you guys as organizers of your own trail races is what the local uh you know local resource folks do whether it's the state or at the Mm -hmm. national level and the way those guys straight up just bust their asses uh you know if they know a trail trail race is coming up you know they're scouting uh you know i went if if i was down there Monday, based on what I heard, we probably would not have been having a race on Saturday. And then going down there, going down there on Wednesday, everything was, uh, was for the most part cleared up. Uh, there was one section of trail that they could not get to. And unfortunately, our figure eight became a, uh, a, f- a 4.7 mile loop. Hmm. So okay. yeah, people's uh, you know, and that was yeah, sort of last minute uh, people's strat- strategy changed. And I think as a result, this was the first year uh, since I think 2000 and, 2000 and I think nine where we did not have someone, uh, crest 50 miles. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, but I mean, otherwise if it was, you know, we had, you know, the classic, you know, we're, uh, we're on Lake Anna. So you're on a lake that's dammed up by a, a dam that's been built for nuclear power plant. So go figure about 10 miles away. But that said, yeah, you know, it was, uh, yeah. You know, we had some, some gusty winds coming in. Sorry about that. We had some gusty winds blowing in. We had a half of our tents blow over and uh, <laughs> that
1: was just the nuclear fallout there of kind yeah, of, yeah, like,
2: it was, it was, it, was but ended, it ended up being a good day. We hit a high of about 40 down here, believe it or not. And uh, you know, sunny skies, people hanging out at the end uh, you know, a couple of red solo cups popped out, which is organizers. We don't know about, don't know what's mm-hmm. in them. Don't care. Uh, right. People are following the rules. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a solid day, but you know, props go to the volunteers for getting up early. You know, the folks who came out, cleared the trail, marked the trail and uh, yeah, it was just, you know, success all around. Cool. Right on. And what, uh, so this is somewhat of the start to your season, right? What are the ones, some of the others you got? Coming yeah. Up? So we've got, so we've got, yeah, the, uh, the ICA, which we just wrapped up uh, in about three and a half weeks. We've got the no man's. Uh, which, uh, as Duly mentioned, no mans because there's uh, it's a women's only race. Uh, we got that kick started about four years ago. My older daughter Katie, at thir- uh, she's now thirteen. Yeah, they, yeah, you know, I'm sure with your kids, Ian too. You know, you bring them out to all the races, and you know they're they're part of our culture, right? Mm-hmm, and probably sure. you too Sean with the kids, and but yeah. So uh, she came up with this idea. She's like, Dad, how come there's no women in uh, in any of your races? Oh, and this yeah, was yeah. seven and yeah. a half years ago, eight years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you look at the numbers back then, even at the 50 K level, it was only about 25%. So, you know, it, you know, we waited a couple years and, you know, she, she does part of the pre-race brief every year now. And, you know, we're, we, we, again, we keep our race small at about hundred we, it's a women's only race. And, you know, for those people, uh, you know, listening to this race directors, you know, it's, you know, I don't have a little R or a TM at the end of, I do have it no man's, but. Uh, you know, get out there, you know, take a stab. There's a market, you know, I think you, you know, if there's any way to in- try to increase the, the, the level of you know, the, what's uh, out there right now, if my words aren't coming out right with, you know, trying to get more women involved in trail running, getting, you know, uh, equality across the board. I think this is, you know, this is a way to do it. And, yep. you know, it, it's been a lot of fun next year. We're going to be starting our second one down here in this area. Uh, but yeah, so that's Mar- uh, March 5th. Uh, our 24 hour trail run is on the 24th of, uh, of April. Uh, we also couple that in with, uh, with a 50 K and hundred K that's a, a 10, uh, excuse me, a 10 K loop, uh, down here at Prince William forest park, where we have a majority of our races about 30 miles South of Virginia. Uh, and then getting into some of the more extreme ones. Uh, we've got this no name race a little bit later. Uh, but then we've got the OSS CIA 50 mile night run down here, uh, which is uh, uh, apparently pretty tough. I think people underestimate it. It's Prince William Forest Park. You don't have any climbs that's probably that are probably more than about 50 feet, uh, but it does rack up about almost 6,000 feet in vertical. Uh, it's in the middle of June, uh, June 10, 11, excuse me, 11, 12 this year. And it's got about a 50% finish rate. 50%. So- just that yeah. kind of a night angle. What's the why? Well, I I, you good. know, I, I think it's it's the night angle. I think it, it, people, you know, you you underestimate the day, what wear and tear does on you in a day, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And just sort of just
2: just your ongoing. So you see a lot of local people, and you know, I hear it all the time. It's like, hey, what were you doing today, folks that I know? is like, you know, hey, the kid had an activity. Uh, it falls around graduation time, so people were doing all this stuff during the day and it's just one of those things where if, if you don't take a couple minutes or you know a couple minutes or like an hour of downtime just to close your eyes or lie down uh it just wears on you and then just you just yeah. see people falling out but then also just the way that forest is set up it's just a, a just a little it's a, it's an oven and you bake at night with the humidity and if mm-hmm. there's no uh and you have just some of those shallow ravines along the creek that just hold in you know how it is just yeah you know, lower levels of hills and hollows and they just it sucks up so you've got the humidity you've got Uh, I think the terrain that people uh, underestimate and uh, you've got that night piece and yeah, people regularly drop, uh, you know, at the end of the first loop, you know, that said it is early in the season. And I know that a lot of people, you know, probably, I would say maybe a good 10% of those people that drop, uh, you know, they tell me directly is like, I I, I wanted to do one loop and use it as a training run for Western States or for, you know, the Vermont coming up or, you know, one of their, their big hundreds. So they're, you know, so it, you know, on one hand it sort of sucks to say that, but at the same time, it's still a 50% finish rate. Uh, I think two years ago, we got up to 60. The lowest mm-hmm. that we've had is, is about 35. Uh, our, uh, a term that we use for our newbies, which, you know, across the board, we have about 25% newbies in our, in our events, which we, you know, we're happy and humbled by is that, uh, the FNGs, which are the freaking new guys, insert expletive as needed. Uh, <laughs> if they piss you off as an organizer, uh, yeah, the, the, those guys those guys run a higher finish rate than uh, than than us seasoned veterans, mm-hmm. which 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 I find intriguing. Yeah, I think I've seen that play out
1: in for sure with Virgil. I think those that come in mm-hmm. uh, for at least the Virgil Crest Hundred Mile, or for those that come in more fit, I almost feel like an even more experienced. They probably have a lower finish Finish uh, chance of success than those that are coming in uh, in worse shape. And what I've seen is those that come in fit tend to go out harder, whereas those that come in Mm. under trained know they're under trained and they take it a lot more conservatively and they just have a higher, I feel like, finish rate. And I've just seen that play out.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one absolutely. But yeah, it ma- makes you wonder. It's like you, maybe it's one of those things. it is a seasoned investor? Like you know, where you know what the suffering is and what's it going to entail, and what's it worth to you?
1: Yeah. And what do you guys think, being both being RDs? Because I feel like I've seen what you just mentioned play out a little bit more recently. Is the amount of people that are signing up for an event without really any intent of finishing the event that they're maybe using it just to get out there or to train for something else and while I guess that's fine, I kind of, there's a part of me that's not really okay with that. I kind of want people to get out there and to, I don't know, with the intent of finishing. And I, I don't know. I,
3: I kind of agree with you with the intent of finishing. Obviously, you're not ever going to get everyone to finish. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I mean, obviously, everyone should sign up for races for their own reason. And I get that. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I don't know. It kind of feels like that. Kind of takes away from someone else especially a race that fills up
2: mm-hmm. yes
3: that spot away from someone else
2: and
3: that kind of sucks
2: yep yeah yeah i agree with you more on that sean
3: yeah
1: and some of those that step off i see them step off and they kind of look fresh as a daisy and I'm just like well, what do you mean you're stopping here like, i got what yeah, i mean you finished hellgate oh so- ah, that was terrible exactly come on <laughs> yeah that's right if i can do that yeah. come on
3: yeah what at mile 20 or whatever it was we were run together you said oh, i might stop and then you yeah didn't. i was so, done so. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah.
1: i could have been like oh no i'm training for something else so i'll stop here well. <laughs>
2: You were training for something else, weren't you? But you kept going.
1: I was, uh, no, no, I wasn't at all, but I could have, I could have made it up at the time. Yeah. I was training for training for life. I suppose there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, right on. Well, Alex, I'm looking forward to seeing some of your other events, the secret event. I still really want to, um, beat myself up with one of these years when I can get it to, uh, to, it and make, and when it actually you know runs, whether it doesn't have fires or doesn't have COVID or whatever. Yeah. It
2: <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been a unique couple of years between the fires and then looked like it was going to happen. Then you had COVID and then, and yeah. then uh, now, now we're, uh, now we're on the backside of the mountain, which we can advertise, but yep. we still can't. <laughs>
1: well maybe at some point if uh maybe another excuse for me to try to rope uh, meisner into to come in east and see if he can get one of his other athletes or something like that and we'll go out and i'll try to keep up with him or something like yeah.
3: that yeah well,
1: we'll,
2: we'll let, let me know
1: yeah cool uh well uh thanks so much again for joining us taking some of your time uh out here alex and i will check in with you again soon
3: all right you got it all right man see ya. all right yeah i'll take care, care. And uh, Ian, Ian, if you can um entertain the people for about a minute, I, I need to restart my computer because I don't have any uh visual right now.
1: So yeah. um so I'll okay. um I'll introduce you when you can't uh when you can't hear what I'm yeah. saying.
3: All right, that's cool. I'll be back in a minute.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so for those of us who are uh joining Meisner and I, what we'll do for some of the format of these root sessions, which I started last week with uh, Luis Escobar uh, is uh, I want to try to get into some of the stories. Some of the individuals that I'm going to have on these route sessions have a pretty deep and rich history in the trail and ultra space, as well as I think just life uh, as a whole. Uh, I've traveled uh, quite a bit. They've been around from early on. And they just, I don't know, there's there's a lot of experiences there. And so I think that there's a lot of information out there on training or racing or supplies. And with some of the guests that I am in communication with that will line up for this year, which I'm pretty excited about, uh, we'll dig into some of the science, whether it be from uh, nutrition to um, uh, the body and training and body work and um, excited. Hopefully we'll dig into one uh, diving deep into the Uh, into the central governor uh, of the brain and how it plays in. Uh, So we'll definitely dig into some of the science, uh, but there are some of the other individuals where I think that there's just a lot of uh, fun to be had in their stories. And so what I've done with some of the individuals is uh, in the age of social media, there's just a lot more photos out there. And so if uh, Sean is able to log back on uh, here uh, which hopefully he'll be able to. And uh, in advance, uh, you'll just have to excuse uh, Sean. Uh, the kid still uses a flip phone and it's, uh, I think, 2022. So uh, technology is not exactly his his strong suit of the mix, uh, but I have confidence that he'll stick with this and, and come back. Uh, but with Sean, he's really been around. And so I dig in and I'll pull some of these photos and we'll just bring it up there like I did with Luis Escobar uh, last week to um, there we go. say, hey, what was this photo uh, all about, and to uh, dig in. And Sean, mm-hmm. uh, speaking to the history that you bring into the space, uh, Sean and I go back probably, I don't know, 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. Whenever you um, when moved I, to Bend, when did you move to Bend? I don't know, somewhere in there. So I moved to Bend, and I feel like there was a pod of us that were really getting more into it around the same time and maybe it was that second generation in the ultra space. And it was just, I think it has continued to be a really fun time. Uh, but Sean since then really dove in on the, the deep end of the community in space. He's one that often would bring a lot of color to uh, events and experiences. Uh, but also what you have over 200 ultra finishes, 201, 201 ultra finishes. Uh, and you've for sure gotten in some of the, uh, classics, as well as a repeat offender for a number of just cool, uh, community cult classics, uh, whether it be like the Kennebec mountain run or some that are maybe not on most people's radars, but are just really cool community. It events. has to
3: be a really, really cool race for me to do it more than once, especially like three times or more.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, and you have traveled. And so, uh in here i'm gonna i'll bring up a couple photos as we get into it and i'll just have as i did with Luis, uh i'll have just to kind of see what your reaction is and that'll be a That's great uh a springboard into tell me about that photo and okay. let's dig in some stories and so what i'm hoping for these sessions is that we can just really i don't know like dig into again some of the story time with the trail and ultra space so beyond just the uh, the training, the science, we get into just kind of sharing stories. And I think that's fun kind of sitting around the whatever in the chairs or a fire post race. This is kind of where some of the richness comes out. So, uh, so I'm excited for these opportunities. Um, and uh, Kwana I will get back to that in terms of one of the potential Uh, topics of overtraining. I think it's real. I think we could take that in many Mm -hmm. directions and Sean could probably weigh in on that at some point. And actually we will, maybe we'll, so at some point here, I will dig into Sean being a coach and he can probably weigh in from his vantage point as an individual, as well as a coach. Uh, So we can touch on that maybe here tonight, but maybe there'll be a whole nother uh, future session that will be uh, dedicated to that topic. So thanks for asking. Uh, So if I am successful in Uh, sharing my screen here, which I'm not much better than Sean in terms of technology. So we'll see uh, how it works. Uh, Let me try to do, let's start with Sean's early family years. Oh Um, yeah. Which he should be pretty excited about. Um,
3: Ian's been scraping the bottom of the Facebook barrel.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so for those who can't, um, who are not tuning in, and maybe here is just a podcast version of this later. This is a solid uh, family photo, I think, of Sean's family at the uh, Welcome to South Dakota uh, sign. And I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Sean is in the white shorts there. And I think this is something that maybe your sister commented on. And I just want you to tell me about kind of where you're from, a little bit about your uh, uh, family and, and how you got to this photo on the South Dakota border.
3: Okay, <laughs> This is so awesome that you brought this one up first, because that's not my family at all. Come on. It's it's fine if you don't want it to be your family because you look a little ridiculous. 100%. I can't remember which of my sisters posted that, but we just, we just went off on a tangent that we just owned it. But 100%, that is not my family. All right, fine. All right, tell me where you're from, and uh, you know. And that's what makes that picture the the girl with the blue shorts. That does look like my older sister. Then the other uh-huh. one looks like my younger sister. But yeah, that's one hundred percent. Because that guy's wearing glasses, and I, I. That's I've really right. You up.
1: wear contacts. All right, thirty yeah. seconds. Give me the uh, your your yeah. background. Where give the listeners where
3: you're from. Your roots. Oh, um, I'm from. I grew up in Spokane, Washington. I was born and raised there. Um. Yeah, I was there for 18 years and went to college in University of Idaho, just about an hour and a half to Spokane. Um, and yeah, was there for four and a half years and did some did some running. That's what I got into running in Spokane. Spokane is very, very big um, running history, running culture. It's huge there. And that just was easy for me to become part of it. The prep uh-huh. running scene there is huge. Um, and, 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 just the city in general, big, big running community. And, uh, that's what helps help get me my love. My lifelong love of running was just where I grew up and that's pretty yep. cool.
1: Cool. And then, uh, when we first connected in bend, um, this is probably around that time. And space and speaks to I think some of your experience whether you've kind of flying or have, have flown solo how you've moved around uh, exploring outdoor spaces. Um, let's go there.
3: Oh yeah, that uh, that is uh, Sasha. She was my um, she's my husky that I got. Uh, I, I moved to Sisters just outside of Bend in 2002, like summer of 2002, and I. Uh, got her about a month later. And this she was my best friend. Um, my my first dog ever. You know, I had family dogs, but uh yeah, she was with me for about eight and a half years, and that was at the top of Black Butte, um, just outside of uh, sisters, which is one of our normal training runs. Um so that's,
1: and what a yeah. playground. And I guess you've really yeah. In your experience, you've uh, stuck with uh, mountain towns and for that experience. But for those who haven't spent time uh, where uh, Sean and I first uh, came together uh, in Central Oregon and Bend and the Sisters area, you can just see the the playground. I mean, Black Butte there was kind of a, a mole hill, so to speak, kind of yeah. surrounded by some of the larger range, but just a, a totally amazing playground.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this. Like the trailhead for this was like you know ten minutes from my house, and it was, yeah. I, I never took any of that for granted. I mean, it was awesome. I I, I loved living in Sisters. I was there for ten years, and I, I would like to go back some year, but it's the, it's I got priced out. It's like seven hundred thousand dollars yep. for a house now. So well, you're
1: getting priced out of pretty much anywhere that in similar spaces yeah. anymore. Um yeah. But that's been crux of your experience. You've definitely. Uh, gone to the uh, playground mecca, so to speak, these towns with pretty just cool subcultures, if not dominant cultures of just outdoor play and ultra. And
3: you've and lived in some not, pretty cool places. It's not an accident. Like my first, my first year after I graduated from college, I lived in Kirkland, Washington, just outside of Seattle. I was only there for a year. Then after that, it's been, it's been mountain towns. Or, well, where, I mean, I was in Jackson Hole, Steamboat, um, Sisters, Durango, Flagstaff, and now, and then back to Durango, and now Fruta. Fruta's mm-hmm. not a mountain mm-hmm. town, but it's a desert town. Um, but yeah, that, that's not that's not an accident, all those places where I've lived. I've yeah. For a very, very big, big reason.
1: And so diving into this space, uh, it was, yeah, over 20 years uh, ago now, you went in pretty hard in terms of the number of the events. And we've talked, I talked about it a little bit with Luis. And I think that you had mentioned in when I posted the root session photo up that an underlying theme with many of you was the connection early on uh, to uh, Team Montreal. Montreal. Uh, and many of you wearing that singlet and the connections that were formed in those times. Uh, and going after, and I guess having even more access to some of the early and big races. So one of the next ones that kind of speaks to that time, and this came a little later, this is probably, uh, eight years in or so, but still kind of captures that, that time and that competition. And again, that access and the, the team connections, uh, would be that photo there. So for those of again, watching the podcast, this is a photo of Western States. I think it was 2009. If I got my year, right. Yep. yep uh, Sean is, right. is, this is one of the, in relatively earlier uh, miles here, you got the the noon tat. I think you were, if not still sponsored by uh, noon, it was the Montreal Jersey. You've got Chrissy right behind you in the early miles and then Scott, maybe behind yep. her. Yep, yep, um, that's so, up
3: there. yep.
1: So, yeah. So maybe just kind of talk about that time and getting into it and in some of the big races and some of the relations that were formed. And I know that's a huge topic, but just kind of first reactions of where you want to take that thought.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. In the early, well, from the late nineties through for at least 10 years, Montreal was, was the team. Um, without Montreal, probably Solomon, the Salmons, and the Hoka's, the ultras, those probably wouldn't be here. Um, but, and, and Chrissy, she really helped grow the team when she was the team manager there. And she, uh, she put me on the team in 2003 and I have her to thank for a lot of where running has taken me in my life. Because um, without her putting me on that team, I, you know, I I think a lot of the opportunities that were presented to me um, wouldn't have been presented. So uh, thanks, Chrissy. Um, and and yeah, I made so many just really good friends and got connected to a lot of different companies and was able to you know start races, my own races and um, I worked at some running stores but it all kind of started with that just to help me dive into the culture. Um, I, I remember I one of the within the first year of my running I did a um, did a small race in uh, Montrose uh, Colorado. It was called the Black Canyon 50k no relationship to the black Canyon in Arizona. This was a black Canyon in Colorado, but it was a Brandon Sebrowski and Chrissy. It was their race. And, um, and I went to that and it was just all the old school Montreal people were there. It was just like a little fat ass. We all stayed the night at, uh, Brandon's house. And, uh, like Ian was there and Hal, and I think Nate and rock and, um, Kirk and, uh, Betsy and just just these super old school Montreal people who are just kick ass and I was like there with them and it was just so like I, I, I couldn't believe it it was awesome um,
1: and that was quite the family right but you were also even early on some of those individuals were uh, like world class I mean whether it be the trail yeah. walker early on with the team uh-huh. and some of those who were whatever. And, and not that you weren't good. I mean, you're still up there, but you were, you know, it was cool that Montreal was a bigger team and Christie's decision is seeing you as an ambassador. Cause you were really all over and just a good kind of face and uh, identity or a person that was just in the sport and part of that kind of family fabric.
3: Yeah. 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 I, I was, yeah. Never on the uh, trail Walker um, level to go and do that. I, I always wanted to, but that, that would have been a cool thing, but yeah, it was cool. There were, you know, a few different tiers and eventually she did, um, you know, promote me up to the national team. And that, that once again helps really help me stay with Montreal for like a long time, like 18 years. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Cause without that promotion from the regional team up to the national team, I, I wouldn't have been with them that long. And so that was another big thing that she did for me, but, um, but yeah, just, uh, I think at one point yeah, there were well over 100 people at one point through all the ambassadors, and that just became unsustainable. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the next the next team manager after Chrissy that was Paul. He had to make lots of drastic cuts one year, and you know <laughs> he's yeah. a good guy. I like him. He's a good friend of mine. But I felt and I felt really bad for him just uh, the number of cuts he had to make to some really good friends of mine as well yeah
1: so from in all of years continuing to be in the sport i mean do you feel like some of the maybe just because it was early and there weren't as many teams back then i mean there's still you get these you still get these teams you still get the top tier you still get the ambassador level um i don't know whether it's just bigger and that's why it doesn't necessarily feel the same maybe it's just because we're old and we kind of look back at these like i don't know better or like whatever times back then but it feels different now
3: yeah I I think there are just a lot more teams now to you know spread the love or you know whatever there doesn't need to be one team with 120 people Mm -hmm. um even at the different ambassador levels I do kind of see ultra right now kind of following in Montreal's footsteps um just you know they started out really small like Montreal did and then as they grew, they got more ambassadors. Then they were sold to a parent company. It's still growing. And and right now, you know, just they're big. And I, ca- I kind of see them following following Montreal's footsteps, for better or worse. Um, and I've, I've talked to other people who have been Montreal, who were Montreal athletes and who are now um, ultra people. And they're like, Oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know both. Yeah. I'm ultra might not like that, but that's okay. Yeah. All
1: (laughs) Um, right. So leaping forward a little bit with this next one, but to speak to another, which I feel like was a really uh, impactful time, I think for you and speaking to being kind of at the roots and the trail ultra space, um, just the uh, connection here. So for those of you maybe just be listening in later, uh, just plugging a photo of uh, Sean and uh, Brian Powell, Many of you know for IRun Far, but for a number of years, uh, Sean worked with Brian and working kind of the retail uh, manager side of uh, irun Far, and that was the early years. And you were kind of on board to uh, see that grow into just a very um, dominant and influential uh, media uh, piece that a lot of people would turn to in the space.
3: Yeah, um, Brian and I, we met through Montreal. He was a Montreal athlete for a while. And we were teammates at JFK one year. And, and yeah, so I, I got a, that was in 2007 when I met him. And then it was in spring of 2009 when he transferred I Run Far from his own personal blog to a, um, to his business, his full-time business. And it was cool just to witness a my, good my friend of mine doing that. Um, and he eventually started a, a retail store with that. And after a few years, he got too busy trying to run his website and do the store. And he asked me if I want to run the store for him. And I said, absolutely. That sounds great. Um, so I had a, a room at my house full of a lot of shoes and packs and, and stuff like that. Um, it was kind of fun. You know, uh, it was fun. That's kind of early in the space
1: too, right? To think yeah. when I see I don't know, I think when Luna Sandals as an example was getting first getting started, I think I went up and spent an afternoon with barefoot barefoot Ted and and Jules, one of his, I think for his employees, in this just this it was just this room above his garage in Seattle where they were just making this stuff. But similarly with you and early in I run far it's when you don't have necessarily this first world connection or you don't really realize how kind of small and tight the trail running space is, or world or some of these entities that it was right. Literally like your, your room or the side, you had an extra room that's just devoted to just all this merchandise. And like, that was it.
3: That's, that was, that was basically what it was. Yeah. Cause a lot of people who are in the sport now, you know, who've got in, in the last five years, they, they have no idea that I run far I used to pretty much be a, not a, full on re you know, online retail running store, but we had a lot. Um, I had, I had a lot of money worth of inventory in my house. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that's, it, it was definitely very, very much grassroots. Um, and it was kind of fun to, to, to do that and, and help Brian out and he helped me out by giving me a job. Then I also, um, That's where my first kind of full-time coaching gig came was through Iron Fark, the same with him. He was, he had been coaching through Iron Fark. He got too busy trying to run the website. And so he asked me if I wanted to coach the Iron Fark coach too. So I was, I was kind of double dipping in Iron Fark coaching and running, doing the store and it was great.
1: Yeah. And that extended into one of the next ones that I was going to go with. And let's, let's go there. Cause another uh, big piece of uh, your experience in the sport, your connections, Uh, as well as just your occupation and plugging in beyond just an entrant. But for those who aren't, again, who may be listening to this afterward in just podcast form, uh, this is a photo of Sean and Ian Sharman post-Ledville. I think Sharman maybe won that year. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you're out there with him uh, as crew, and you are part of what's on his shirt there with the Sharman Ultra Endurance Coaching.
3: Right, yeah, I think this was in 2013. Yeah, 2013 yeah yeah that was his first uh that was his first leadville win um and just, just side note that's one of the many ians i know through running, you know with you <laughs> and Torrance and him and you know know a few others but um but yeah yeah it was uh he came and stayed with me in durango for about two weeks before before leadville and to get acclimated and um and that brit knows how to party he uh he drank Jen Shelton under the table. <laughs> well, all right. Well, all right. we're
1: going to have to come back to your coaching, but only because all right. Yeah, I right, keep keep going. There. I don't want. I got another one
3: Shelton yeah, yeah. He 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 knew how to party, but then uh, yeah, on race day he he threw down, and uh, it was it was great being able to tag along with him. I remember we got to the top of um, uh, up on top of Hope Pass coming back. And, you know, in that race, you can mule and I, I had some water for him and he, he just handed me his water bottle and he just took off. So I had to fill up his bottle and, and he's a very fast downhiller and I'm not as good, but I, <laughs> I definitely had to go reckless just to catch him, you know, at mile, mm-hmm. he's at mile 55 and I'm at mile five and he's just flying. And, uh, but that, that was pretty fun. Um, and everyone hiking up the trail, they were all very nice moving aside for us and, yeah, it was that was fun to be part of that first first time he won that race. It was really fun.
1: And how about the coaching? How many coaches are under the Charmin, uh coaching crew?
3: Um, I think we have seven. Oh wow! Think, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And pretty full time gig, or how many people are you coaching at any given time
3: usually? Yeah, um, twenty ish or so. Oh wow! Yeah, and yeah, it's a yeah, it's it's it, it's main it's my main gig, and then yeah, a few other. Few other little things here and there, but um, yeah, it uh, mm-hmm. definitely keeps keeps me busy, and uh, I enjoy it. It's really fun helping other people um, achieve their goals.
1: Right. Yeah, and how is it in the coaching space? I, I feel like uh, in the past, I don't know, maybe five years, I've almost seen an explosion in the number of coaches out there, and mm-hmm. it just seems like everybody's a coach anymore. There's just so many around, and I guess that's you know awesome. And particularly with trail and ultra, I don't know if you necessarily need any of these. Fancy or like USATF credentials or coach
3: one or coach two or whatever, but there's a lot of people in the space. I mean, you tech, you literally need nothing to be a coach. You need mm-hmm. no type of credentials or anything. Um, I-, I am USATF certified, but it's a joke because it's the little modules that I have to watch have to do with track and field. Um, and they, I mean, nothing at all to do with what i'm coaching y'all i don't only coach ultra runners i coach people that i like some uh, cross-country runners and stuff like that but these but to be usatf certified for mainly what i'm coaching it's it means that doesn't mean much
1: yeah Um, i guess what does mean a lot i would imagine would mean a lot though with you is the experience that you bring to the table so again 201 ultras under your belt i mean you've seen a lot you've interacted with a lot You've seen things go right for you. You've been there when the hundred times when the wheels have really not gone
3: well. You, you were there with me in one of those hundreds with my wheels didn't go so well. <laughs>
1: which, which there's another photo here, which is not all right. Let's just go here. All right, let's go here since you just mentioned it. So,
2: <clears throat> so
1: one of my first reactions with Sean is he doesn't have the, the strongest stomach, uh, maybe in the world. Uh, and that's not, that's that's not really what this photo is depicting. It's depicting, I think you in a cool, uh, event space. Uh, but just the position you're in made me think Sean, Sean, the weak stomach, uh, Meisner and weighing in on it's, it's, it's gotten better over the decades. Oh, that one right there. So, uh, uh, yeah. Cue us into that photo. And I know it doesn't have to do well, actually it does because the comment there was first words after finishing was I need to puke.
3: <laughs> this was at the end of my best race, the race, of my lifetime, regardless of distance, this was the race of a lifetime for me. Um, And uh, it was, it was 148 K. So it was like 92 miles and damn it. I wish it was a hundred miler because then I would have had a good hundred miler. But uh, it was the Sinister 7, 148K in Alberta, and, um, and I went in there very, very fit. I went there to win and race hard, and I was leading. Well, I led pretty much the whole race, um, but I had been leading been leading the whole race, and with about 20K to go, there, there was also a relay aspect to it, and some relay people were catching me. And I asked some guys like, Hey, you know how far back second place is? And he's like, Oh, he's, he's right there. And I looked back <laughs> and, and that was with 20 K to go. And I just I'm like, there's no way he's catching me. So I just buried myself the last 20 K just absolutely buried myself. And I beat him by a half hour then. Um, but that that's what I looked like after burying myself for 20 K at the end of a 92 mile race. And I
1: feel like I've seen you in that similar position saying I need to puke Which, yes,
3: sometimes it's up in miles, but it's not always up in miles and when you're burying yourself. Right. right. And, and those other races, i puked. This one I didn't puke. I I, I worked, I was just, yeah, the other ones, it was probably just a, you know, hydration and nutrition issue. This one was just like pushing myself to my absolute limit. And, and I was proud of myself for being able to do that. And then, um, and getting a win and just a really good, I was in a really good space in my life too. I had recently met who my wife now is and we are on a, on our first big road trip together. And so, you know, when, when all those other things in your life are working well, you know, that's, that's a good thing. And you tend to run better. Um, yeah. And so, so well, yeah. Sometimes,
1: sometimes you tend to run better. Sometimes I think I feel like I've seen people in their times where maybe they've uh, just, Uh, gotten out of a relationship or they got separated or whatever and it's just kind of like this having to be now more independent and kind of and i i see they're they're running progressing or they race better or sometimes you you have all these things that go better whether it be a marriage or whatever and you get more comfortable and you almost get softer and you don't have that same kind of drive for some of the same success
3: right right and and that's why I think this one specifically, because it was at the very beginning of our race, relationship, like just mm-hmm. a couple months after we met and started dating, and so you know, I, I just was feeling you know just really good, and so that so that was good, um, good life stressors at that moment. Yeah, um, and
1: Sinister Seven
3: uh,
1: it looks like it would be an absolutely beautiful, pretty spectacular course.
3: It, it was, yeah, it was, it was very pretty. Yeah, I, I definitely made myself look around, because I'm like I'm. I'm here to race hard, but this is a pretty place. So I need to look around too. It was, it was, uh, it was cool. And so all of
1: your experiences with a weak stomach or puking or needing to puke, how does that convey into your, your coaching?
3: Um, I, that's a good question. Um, what I found for me was usually the culprit in, in my, my stomach was dehydration, dehydration, dehydration. And, And when I drink more and more, and you know, on on a more regular schedule, um, I tend to have a better stomach later in the race. And and when I slack off early, then I have a bad stomach later in the race. And and I I tell that to people. um, You know, I don't know, I don't know how long ago it was, but you know, the there used to be a big swing, especially in the hundreds, where oh, you need to drink, drink, drink because you're going to get dehydrated and die. And then all of a sudden it's swung the other way to, oh, my God, you're over drinking. You're going to get hyponatremia, You're going to die. Um, and I think a lot of people don't drink enough because they hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really got to drink a whole lot of plain water to get hyponatremia. If you're you know, drinking some kind of electrolyte drink, you're probably not going to get if you're drinking a gallon of water an hour, you probably are going to get it.
1: Um, it also seems like some of that's coming from people uh, trying to mentally and not really doing it well pre-loading. So the pre-races are just drinking way too much, and then they're just coming in where the system's just all whacked out.
3: Yeah, and that, that's true too. And yeah, just you know, maybe drink a little more, but if you're going to do that, drink some electrolyte drink. Mm-hmm. Not just plain water. You're, it's it's all about the balance, the sodium balance in your body too. Um,
1: so this is so even this thread right here in conversation, it's fun. It's fun just to see how interconnected so many things are in our world, in our space. So you had just happened to mention uh, Shelton earlier. Here we're talking about uh, hydration or dehydration. One of the individuals that I think about early on uh, in the space in terms of just the impact on, I think seeing just how, so i and I mentioned this to Luis too, when I feel like we were getting into the space with that, whatever it be, that second generation of top tier ultra runners, the Howls and the Scots of the world or whatever, I was still under this, I think, ignorant assumption that it was different than the uh, road and marathon space that in road and marathon, you saw these individuals uh, push themselves so hard in certain conditions and your body had maybe like a couple hard, uh efforts in it and like that's all it had to give because you're just you can't take yourself to that deep well uh too many times and i felt like in the ultra space it was just different that people didn't necessarily push themselves at that same extreme effort that it was a little bit different in terms of the uh recovery the impact and and i think we found and seen whether it be from uh jeff rose as an example Mm -hmm. of completely just going so hard that his I haven't connected with him, uh, personally on it. Uh, but just seems like he just took himself so deep into that well that his body just, it just kind of cracked under that load. Or when you just mentioned, um, Shelton earlier and talking about it now, I I often think of skags early on too, coming out of where's Waldo and going in and pairing the dehydration with the ibuprofen and then getting the impact uh, like on the the kidneys and being in really bad positions that, uh, and impact you. And, and so,
3: and Skag's brother, Kyle, after after Hard Rock, he was the first person to go sub twenty four there. And then he he tried to he took like a, a couple days off. Then he went right into trying to train for a two twenty marathon, and and that just got broken. You
1: know? And it was um, interesting, right, seeing these space with these individuals that came out. It wasn't just these kind of crazy old weirdo people running really long miles. It was these. This younger generation of individuals that really were pushing the envelope and not just endurance, but like doing it fast. Uh yeah.
3: Yeah. And, um, and, and, and yeah, and they I you know, I think they all realized they weren't giving themselves the breaks they needed, the 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 true recovery, true rest. I mean, yeah, Jeff Rose, he was the man for what three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then it caught up to him. Um and that, yeah, I think it was the, uh, that big, the big race in Alaska. That's, that was the final straw for him that really broke him. Um, and, and that, that was sad. Um, yeah, it was what I think he was doing the 350 miler or 500 miler. I can't remember one of those, you know, where you're pulling the yep. sled and, um, yeah. But.
1: All right. So. With those interrelated, and again, because you mentioned earlier, and I just happened to see the photo. It's not so much about the photo or the connection, but it's about the comment. And so if I thought we were going story time uh, here and knowing that you've got a lot of connections out there and knowing that there's a lot of fun stories that surround uh, Shelton. So your comment here was, Jen, it was about this point in your race that you mentioned your Wonderland FKT, which is cool, all blah, blah, blah. However, you failed to mention your Bigfoot Challenge at Charlie's. That, my friend, is truly epic. I'm wondering about what that truly epic uh, Bigfoot challenge was at Charlie's, if you remember from uh, seven years ago.
3: Bigfoot challenge at Charlie's. I remember this picture. This was at a at the Jerome Hill Climb in uh, Jerome, Arizona.
1: Um, so maybe it had something to do with uh, Shelton maybe like drinking in some sort of um,
3: or, well, no, bar or something. The Bigfoot challenge, I mean, I, I don't know if that has to do with Bigfoot, Bigfoot, 10K, Bigfoot. and Bend, which is my guess. Um, but it, it, All right. All
1: right. That's I, fair. I guess I, it'll...
3: I can't remember.
1: It'll be lost I, to the, uh, the, the archives. X,
3: I've, I've not known Jen for, I think... Yes, it's, it's around the same time I met you shortly after that, then she moved to Bend. So I, I've known her a long time, so I can't think of... Yeah, I
1: that's fair. That. All right. Um, <clears throat> so one that uh, also came up with... I remember Yassine talking about uh, this. If it was one and the same, it just it sounded like a blast. And uh, Lewis mentioned it as well because he was down to uh, photograph it. And I forgot that you were part of um, what seemed like just a cool uh, race. Um, so, for those who are just tuning in uh, by audio here, I'm going to display a picture. Right here of the 2013 hmm. uh, Nicaragua, Nicaragua race, and quite yeah. a, a few cast of characters uh, in that photo uh, as well. So tell me about the Nicaragua experience and event.
3: Yeah, that was the Viagua in 2013. Um, that was one of the coolest trips I've ever done. Um, I got to go down there to kind of cover the cover the race for I Run Far, um, and. It was it was awesome. It was such a cool, just experience um, being on this little island, um, on in a lake in Nicaragua, um, and running up these volcanoes uh, with some really cool people. Yeah, um, Yasin was there. Uh, Nick was there. Um, Dave James, um, Patrick sweeney uh tyler uh Charman was there but he wasn't running he was just he was there to run just the beer looks like mile. Uh-huh. he was pimping yeah he, he he participated in the beer mile i think he was last though i i, I beat him even um and uh yeah it was the super the the cory brothers were there um that was before you know nick cory got super fast um because mm-hmm. i was even running with him for a bit um and, and for me, that was actually part of like a three-week trip through Central America. Um, started out flying to Nicaragua, running the 100K there, um, and then taking buses and trains and planes with uh, three other people to go up to Copper Canyon then two weeks later and run the Copper Canyon race. And, um, and that, that, that was one of the coolest just travel experiences of my lifetime. That was with uh, Don, Tyler, and Patrick that trip um, in between. We didn't know each other before then. We just, we all saw that we were all running both of them and we just connected, I don't know, email or Facebook, like, hey, we're all doing these. We should travel between the two together. And we did. And it was great. Um, and they, <laughs> one funny thing, we were on a bus at one point. And all three of them were vegans. And I, I'm not. And <laughs> And in the bus at one point they stopped at like a Burger King and bought everyone lunch. I guess they do that in Mexico, or I don't know, we were probably in El Salvador or something like that. And those three, they didn't want their lunches. So they, they gave me their Whoppers. (laughs) I hadn't eaten, I hadn't eaten a Whopper in I don't know how long, at least a (laughs) dozen years, but I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll eat these. But I said, you watch, I'm going to get food poisoning. And boom, 24 hours later, I got really, really bad food poisoning. Um, and it was, it was not very fun to get food poisoning in a third world country. Let me tell you. Um, but, but the whole trip, you know, book ended with, uh, you know, the Fuego Yagua and then the Copper Canyon race in um, Eureka, Mexico. Um, and, and everything I, I, I did a four part uh, write up about that in Iron Far and just documenting documenting everything. It was uh-huh. It was a super, super cool trip. Um, made lots of great friends, you know, both American and Mexican and wherever else people were coming from for both of those events. Um, and then just in between, going from Nicaragua to Mexico through I don't even remember all the different countries now. But um, we definitely went through some rough areas um, and it it was cool.
1: And so going from uh, third world uh, to not third world, but keeping on the topic of events that you participated in. And because this one is on the bucket list of so many individuals. um, I'm going to bring up a picture of uh, Sean uh, UTMB 2015. Uh, I know it was not the greatest right day out there for you, but in terms of finishing, um, tell us about the UT MBA experience again, because so many people won't have the opportunity, and it's on so many people's lists. And then maybe where it's gone and how you feel about it.
3: Right, right. Um, yeah, I was. It, it had been something I'd want to do for a long time, and uh, I was fortunate at the time I did it. Uh, it was a Columbia and Montreal sponsored event, and I was sponsored by Montreal and Columbia, and so. I got to go there for free and run it um so i was very very fortunate to take advantage and i took advantage of that it was great um and the my time there not running the race was awesome it was, was way 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 better than the time spent running the race but just i got there i think two and a half weeks beforehand and and i didn't overdo it too much like some people do i i of course i went on some hikes and little runs but i, I never did anything super big but um my uh friend uh doug mayer from um run the alps it connected with him and he basically told me where i should go and where i should stay and what i should do and um he uh he, i met up with him for a couple nights too and um Got to just play around, um, yeah, all around there be, before the race. Then, then when I got to Chamonix, um, I stayed with uh, stayed with a few, few people. We were, um, some friends from the states, um, Adam, Olivia, and Tyler, and we rented a rented an apartment just like I don't know, a kilometer from the start finish of UTMB, and. Um, and, the, and when the race started, uh, just didn't just didn't go well. <laughs> Which sometimes it just doesn't. Yep, the first eight k were fine. They were just flat, and then then I remember first climb goes up the ski area, and then Doug he told me on the way down that ski area, leave your poles out. Don't put them away. You'll want to use them, but I didn't. I put them away, and that just t- destroyed my quads destroyed it just going down the ski area and so you know like maybe 15k into it my quads were already really toasted and and that was just a bad spiral (laughs) going like that um but and you know i I, things just got progressively worse i'd get little bump ups um one cool really cool memory i have about that is uh, getting to the high point of the course out of, uh, Cormier. It's at, a uh, border of Italy and Switzerland, um, Col Grand Foray and got to the top of there and Jamil Curry, he's just, he's sitting there. So I just go and have a seat next to him. And we were just kind of chilling, hanging out for a few minutes. And, um, and you know, we didn't say much, but, uh, then he, he just, he said, okay, I'm leaving. Then I, a few minutes later took off too, but, uh, that was, that that was one of the coolest moments i remember that race was just <laughs> hanging out there on top we both just needed a break uh we didn't need to say much we we both knew what the other person was going through so it was just like you you're my friend you're a friendly face we'll we'll just hang out here together and uh, uh that was cool that's um,
1: a good moment to share with and that's a a good spirit to meet at that place right in terms of just who he is and his energy and um
3: yeah 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 and yeah. And, and that was before, I, I guess that was about the time that Aravipa was getting bigger, but before it really exploded. Um, I don't know if he has time. He can go to UTMB now. But um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was cool. Um, we, we, we had a moment. It was, and in fact, we even had a bet. I'm just remembering this. I said to him, hey, whoever wins owes the other one a beer. He's like, that's a good bet. And uh, so, Jamil, you still owe me a beer. <laughs> he's he going um, to beat me by many many hours and uh i'd forgotten about that till just now um, nice
1: well you'll probably see him before i will but if i see him first maybe i'll uh do a little throwback on the uh the him, bet yeah it's yeah. got a big, big big weekend coming next week for him
3: yeah yeah this is coming yeah he does but but yeah i, I eventually crawled in and um well my goal was 30 hours sub 30 and i I trained hard for it. I trained on the hard rock course. Um, I think I did a lot of the right things in my training. Um, I did, I was in the white mountains for some in New Hampshire as well. Did some training there, but yeah, I did the full hard rock course and just, and just training in that area. But man, race day, race days came at UTMB. And I finished almost 50% slower than my goal race than my goal time.
1: <laughs> that's a good that's a good performance but but you finished but just being out there and so, that level of the size of that field that grandeur of scape the amount of energy there right you're kind of regardless I mean, you hope the race would go well but it's such a larger experience uh there
3: and it is and and that's what i hate is because there are pictures of me there with just it's beautiful and and I don't remember. You just couldn't appreciate it. I, I don't remember those. I'm like, and that sucks. And I, I, you know, I, I'm glad I went there and did the whole thing around it, but I, I would have been better off doing like CCC the 100K version, um, because that that was within my wheelhouse without without burying me, mm-hmm. um and, and finishing UTMB, you know, I was like, I'm not hurt. I'm just hurting and whatever I'm going to finish. And I have plenty of time. And so I, I finished, but man, um, it it changed me as a runner and not for the good. It it definitely, Hmm. it, I mean,
1: took a piece of you.
3: It it definitely did. Um, I I think a lot of runners have that, you know, the race they can point to. And for me, it was UTMB. Um, Mm -hmm. absolutely. It just, uh, I've never been the same runner since then. Um,
1: well, you're also old now. I mean, so that, well, that definitely. When I you ran, into,
3: I wasn't as old. I was still in my early forties, like you.
1: Yeah, you but see? you were on that threshold, though. You were, yeah, you were like forty-two or forty-three or something. 40, right? I was forty-two. Or?
3: I was forty-two then. I, yeah, that's a—that's an age. You just turned. Right you just turned forty-three, right? I turned forty-five.
1: Oh. Oh. 45. Okay. One of the one of the funnier quotes I think was coming away from UTMB, which uh, left an impression in my head, is just a quote, was uh, when uh, Jenny, you say, or uh, um, jerk, uh, uh, when uh, she ran it, one of her, in her race report, so to speak, afterward, she said she had never seen so many, I think, cigarettes and penises in her entire life as huh. her experience huh. during that event.
3: Huh. Well, yes, yeah, spe- speaking back to Alex and, and the number of, you know, the f- few women in his races yeah that's totally utmb as well um yeah sound like people were just kind of the, the culture just kind of lighting up on course
1: or smoking during the race or whatever and just the amount of of people just kind of peeing on the trail or whatever just there's I mean, so many people out there. wherever
3: i don't know i guess i'm used to that i, I don't remember too much smoking though hmm. um yeah. especially runners that were out there i i don't remember any yeah all right so, so
1: that was this mammoth event and experience. Um, so let's bounce to there with actually some of the crux or highlights are probably more impactful performances in your career uh, as opposed to UTMB. Um, so let's go on a much bigger scale than UTMB <clears throat> with this gem right here.
3: <clears throat> oh yeah. That's the uh, cruiser crit at the, uh, yeah, an Iron Horse weekend in Durango. Um, the, yeah, they have the, I guess the marquee fifty-mile bike race from Durango to Silverton. Then they have some mountain bike races, but actually, the marquee event is the cruiser crit, um, where you grab a cruiser or a bike of any sort and you dress it up and you dress yourself up and and like any good cruiser crit should be the winner is who the crowd loves the most <laughs> and and i won that year um i was very proud of that um yeah that was uh christina's old cruiser bike and i just decorated it in you know lot, lots of uh red white and blue decorated myself in red white and blue and uh knew it was fun just to <laughs> just go out there and and play um amongst the, you know, leg-shaven um, folks who, who are normally at the root of that weekend. Um, and yeah, Durango is a, Durango's got a good running scene, but cycling's the main thing in Durango. And um, that, that weekend specifically is, is like the biggest weekend in Durango, um, Iron Horse weekend. And so it's fun just to be part of that uh, any way you can.
1: And this has seemed to be something that's also defined who you are in your experience. And you haven't just gone after the, I don't know, these hard or even like scenic trail races or whatever. You've kind of gone where the community and the culture is, which is so, so much of an important fabric of uh, trail that just the trail community, I suppose.
3: Yeah. And that's uh, I, th- I think a good example of that is uh, when I lived in Oregon running Hag Lake. I ran, I've run that race 10 times, and it is not scenic at all. Um, but the culture and community around it, it's basically the first trail race of the season in Oregon. And, and I just love it. The race um, website is hagmud.com. and I think that just says a lot about the race because it mm-hmm. is very muddy, and it's just a super, super fun weekend to go and be a part of. And like I was saying earlier, there are very few races that I've done multiple times and that one i've done 10 times i think i did the 50k five or six times and then the 25k four times or so
2: mm-hmm.
3: um but but yeah it's it's not a pretty event but it's just a fun fun community around that
1: yep and you tend to also i enjoy uh, as long as i've known you you tend to bring the the flair as well uh right. which adds to the experience uh as Uh, exhibited in this other gem from 2015
3: yes that was at the katula um uphill in uh, in flagstaff uh although you had to go downhill too so it's the katula up and downhill um in fact i think it's this weekend yeah it's at uh the snowball ski area in flagstaff uh and there's a traction division or a, a ski division um and usually the the Traction people like I was doing, we can get up the hill faster. Except for Rob Carr, he was usually one of the fastest ones on his skis, but he was Rob. Um, but then all the way down, more, you know, skis would catch us. But yeah, it's a super, super fun event. Just full on, you know, maxing the heart rate going up the hill, and then just falling down the hill. You know, just leaning forward. If you fall, you just fall in the snow, so it doesn't hurt. Um, it's like I don't know four miles, maybe something like that and you gain, is it 2000? Yeah. I think about 2000 feet, um, you know, 2000 feet and two miles up or no. Yeah. A little, a little over 2000, maybe 2,500, just a super fun community event in Flagstaff. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they get a thousand people that do it, but many, many, many hundreds, if not a thousand. Um, so it's huge, right? And that's, it is huge. Yeah. And it's it the it
1: fun is. part. I'm sure these, these exist more in the East coast. And I, I I know that they probably do, but I feel like I see more of that in the Rockies in the West where it's this, I don't know whether it takes a higher critical mass of these outdoor uh, minded active individuals to form a critical mass around just kind of fun kind of crazy events. I guess I see it somewhere, maybe sometimes in Vermont associated with like pond skimming days or something like that. Uh, But I don't see it as much around uh, this region as I do uh, New England's just
3: too uptight <laughs> Yeah,
1: That's That's quite I the, think that's a, a Possibility Prep
3: up school uptightness of New England man That's it I think it could be right
1: Maybe it does t- it would take more More Meisner's to show up in I was going to go with a different photo next But I was about to say more Meisner's showing Up in in kits That probably look more like Let's go And what else we got Oh, we've got a good kit here. Let's go, this gorgeous kit right there, where you look fantastic. For those those who are just uh, tuning or maybe can't uh, see the photo, it's yeah. it's Sean just looking kind. Of, <laughs> he looks pretty awful actually. He looks kind of old. He's got the white coming out in the beard. He's got his one of his classic wigs on, nice tight curls, if not a a permanent up there with his his hair. He's got a nice little halter top on with a little. Harry if he if he was a stronger man he'd have more cleavage there a nice little uh, sequenced if not bedazzled short yellow skirt and I'm not sure what you were thinking or trying to see in the photo with your aged eyes but kind of squinting
3: it's a it's a pretty striking photo this was at the um, the sisters little ultra team beer mile that I used to um, organize and I, I still do every once in a while Um and in sisters on the on a patch of dirt that went around a little pond just happened to be an ag, a quarter mile, and so we would have our beer miles there. And of course, at a beer mile, you you have to dress up because if you don't, you're disqualified. Um, Which so, again speaks to your community. I don't necessarily see that in some of the other. You know,
1: but keep going. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was. Obviously, I was definitely ine- inebriated in that picture. Um, and
1: From your the amount of Mike's Hard Lemonade that you had just consumed.
3: A beer mile. I drink beer and beer miles. Oh, all right. Fair. Yeah. Guinness is my beer of choice in the beer mile. Oh, that would be a tough one to go down. I guess you're going to really own well, it. And think go in. about this. Guinness, it's dark color, but it's not a heavy beer.
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't know nothing. You know, I know nothing about beer, yeah. but that seems like you could choose a lot lighter option there for the beer mile.
3: Guinness Guinness is is good for me. I mean, people that like Guinness, they know it's dark color, but it's it's not carbonated and it just goes down really really easy. So um, that would
1: be so for any of your athletes that are partaking or that you'd coach, if people are looking to an ideal coach with good um, knowing and and feedback you'd recommend for your athletes using Guinness in the beer mile beer mile
3: nitrogen bubble see no the the nitrogen the, there there are no bubbles because of that it's just it's just smooth yes yes i um i i've an 806 beer mile pr that's on the dirt i was happy with that i don't know i've run an 845 in leadville though at ten thousand feet that was i was happy with that um but yeah i can i and i am two and oh against jim walmsley in beer miles
1: well, that's good. You should put that on a resume when you're sending it through to some of your you know, sponsor applications.
3: Uh-huh. So I just like to say I'm two and o against Jim and mile races. Um, <laughs> that's good because everybody knows he's not that fast. So um, that's right. it's good.
1: All right. And so speaking on how things go down easy, um, any good oh, tips oh, for your athletes or those who need advice on uh, donut eating competitions associated mm-hmm. with events?
3: Yeah, this was um, in Durango at uh, Snowdown. That's the annual winter carnival. And uh, they used to have this event, the, the donut eating contest. And um, just how many donuts you could eat in. I can't remember if it was two or three minutes. And I was, I came up one donut shy of making it to the finals. I think I ate five. And, and I, I just guessed, I'm like, okay, if I eat five, I'm going to get to the finals. And <laughs> I guessed wrong. I guess that was enough pretty,
1: to, so it's how many and what, how many, what's the it, time? It was either
3: two or three minutes and the top four or whatever people who ate the most got advanced to the finals. And I just kind of guessed, oh, five is going to be plenty in two minutes. And uh-huh. um, I guess it, four people ate six. Um, and so I, I, I gambled, and we- I gambled, I gambled wrong. And it looks
1: like you went with the moistening them first and whatever you were dipping them in.
3: And that was, that was helpful. Yeah. They gave us, I don't know, just different donuts, but yeah, just to dip it in a little water. Just so it went down easier. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was fun. But okay. On my Strava, um, put it on your, it said you got to put that on your Strava
1: with the beer miles or the uh, donut eating.
3: Um, I only recently got a Strava account, like, two months ago. That's right. Cool that on. Was, I
1: remember that Sean is still using a flip phone as yeah. an individual.
3: And that was only to, cause I was doing some little local hill in my area. And if you did it, I, I did the math. If I did it seven times, that would be exactly a marathon. So my buddy said, Oh, you you need a you need to make a Strava segment for that. I'm like, but I don't, I don't have, I don't have Strava. And so, so my buddy created a Strava account for me. He he gave me his old Garmin, I don't even know what Garmin something, and he set it up for me. He said, "Okay, start you push start, stop you push stop," and then after that, I went to his house and he put it all on the on Strava for me, and that's that's all I've done with Strava.
1: That's funny because it's you know the, as the saying goes, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen. And so uh, your yep. your two hundred and one ultra finishes so far, it's questionable whether they count. They're on most of them are ultra sign up though. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's not how the saying goes. It's not if it's not an ultra sign up, it doesn't count. But
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, So, so that's my feelings on Strava. And and it's funny (laughs) after I, after my buddy signed me up for it, I don't know, probably five or six of my clients found me and they started following me, but. (laughs) There's, yeah. there's nothing to see here. It's good inspiration.
1: <laughs> I guess he doesn't really run or train or.
3: <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah. That's funny. I have a Strava account too, but I don't think I, I only use it for occasionally putting a map on there or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you mentioned earlier that you pretty much only um, tend to go back to or repeat races that are, are strong in in kind of the culture uh, or ones that are really important to you. Um, so this one You've gone back to maybe even for the win. I don't know, like a couple times.
3: Well, th- this was yeah. Th- this was the same picture, you know that uh, uh, at uh, oh no no no. This, this I'm Different. wearing the same outfit.
1: Same, huh. same outfit, which is for same those the listeners yes. out there. Yeah. It's a good uh, yes. Wonder Woman uh, top with little uh, uh, star panties bottoms. of sorts.
3: Yeah, but tights and the
1: long socks.
3: Yeah, Christina, my wife and I, we traded. Hers is the Wonder Woman. I have the Superman. So we sometimes we trade. Uh And so, yeah, this is um, the world championship of uh, running and sliding. This is the Uncle Clyde's uh, run and slide um, at Purgatory Resort outside of Durango, where you run up the ski hill or the tubing hill, then tube down, then give it to your partner, then they run up, tube down, and you run up and you just keep going back and forth for 90 minutes. And... Um, and when you're resting, you have to drink beer. That's just part of the culture, um, and eat Oreos and gummy bears, and it's just you know, and and give give your fellow competitors shit, um, and dress. You have to dress up. Um, <laughs> do you really have to dress up, or does that does that come back to more just you saying
1: well, you really have to dress up?
3: Yeah, may, maybe me, but most people do dress up there. That that is kind uh-huh. of a thing with that one, but it's it's a super good workout though. I mean, <laughs> I bet you, you're dragging this tube up of yeah, I think it's probably 200 yards, 200 meters, something like that. It's you know decent, um, decent hill, and doing that for you know 90 minutes, and it's you get a good yeah. workout, get some good vert going in there. You're tired afterwards, uh, but yeah, it's super fun. This year is going to be the sixth, and I think and the race director he told me he. He thinks I'm the only person that's done it all, that I'm the only streaker that's done all. the. I think there's one other guy, though, that has, I think Kyle has, too. But, uh, yeah, it's super, super fun Durango event. Um, Durango's got super, super fun events.
1: So after I saw your photo there, I did reach out to our local mountain, Greek Peak, and my uh, one of my contacts there and said, hey, we should probably do, maybe do something like this. And he's and he's all on, on board. I don't know if we, it's quite the same culture and it would be quite the same success that you find in durango but it seems like it's just kind of a kind of a fun event
3: maybe i can come out there and help you sometime get that going
1: yeah dude he said maybe we do it on uh, like saint patty's day or something
3: and that would be a super fun time to do it
1: so what we have taken you from uh some of the roots nicaragua utmb to the more important uh donut eating in clyde's i had mentioned uh as we had texted before the episode though some of your coolest running experiences or anything that maybe we didn't touch on that would be fun to just talk about or banter on whether it be some of your highlights of your kind of running time um
3: let me see oh um well yeah the two coolest adventure runs um rim to rim rim Mm -hmm. um
1: which is, is, that's really exploded, right? I mean, I feel like not too long ago, that was kind of the, this under culture thing that well. you, you do on occasion. But now it's almost just like this, not like a rite of passage, but it's really more of like a mainstream thing.
3: And, and when, when I first did it in 2009 with Brian Powell, it was still very much very low key under the radar thing. But then a couple, I think a year and a half ago, one of my clients he did rim to rim to rim to rim to rim rim. he did he did the double Mm -hmm. the double double Mm -hmm. and i joined him for the middle 50 miles so he started on the south rim i met him on the north rim and went back and forth with him and that was on the first weekend of october and that's typically a very big weekend for it and man i there were over a thousand people that day doing it oh really that's nuts i couldn't believe it i was i i had no idea it had exploded that much and i was like never again while i do it this week around this time because i don't want to be part of this thing that 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 just saturates it oversaturates it um you know, it was cool to be there for my client and help him get his big goal but man it's i, I mean but you know i understand i've done it and i don't want to tell other people i can't yeah. do it but um But I just won't do it that time of year again. Um, It is it is cool. I mean, it's you know, it's people do it for a reason. I mean, anytime Mm -hmm. you go in the Grand Canyon, it's amazing. I I was fortunate enough to live in Flag for two and a half years, where I could just wake up and say, "Oh, I'm going to go to the canyon today," and an hour later I'd be there. Mm -hmm. And and I I think I've run the double crossing ten or twelve times, but I've gone there and run way more way uh, way many way more other trails note to G- listeners
1: though not to cut sean off but that i don't think that exists on strava so we can't actually say that he did those or they or they actually count but sorry um just to <laughs> let i don't want to i don't want to yeah. be the bearer of false information or false news here but sorry keep going
3: i think the first time i did render in though with powell strava wasn't a thing so how does that happen i don't know i just i don't know it.
1: It's fake news, I guess, to a certain extent, but,
3: but, but if they're just like going to the Alps, there are a lot cooler routes than doing the UTMB going to the grand Canyon. There are a lot cooler routes than the main corridor trails. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can say that cause I've explored, well, it's, I'd like to say I've explored a lot of them in the Canyon, but reality is I haven't, cause there are. It's, huge, lot, right? I mean, it's massive massive yeah but i i did do quite a few other non-normal ones and they were really really cool and you know i know everyone wants to go there and do the main one and i get that but if you if you want to go to the canyon and see it without seeing you know as many people and still getting a great maybe even a better experience um check out those non-corridor trails
1: um, yeah, that's right. Then you're almost then decentralizing the the platform or the experience where I guess now you do have the shared experience and you can kind of relate to one another where that is, I guess, I don't know, it, it just, it changes the, changes the goalposts of the experience, I guess. And I guess if you suddenly have these people running willy-nilly who are not used to the Grand Canyon and the uh, severity of conditions and the space and suddenly you have people in all the other branch and corridor trails that could be kind of a, a bad situation it seems like at least some of the people that i've known that have gone to do it it's all awesome awesome for them to, to go and do that and, and that's wonderful but in my head i'm thinking man there's some stuff that could go wrong in the canyon and you're pretty removed and i don't know if you're, you're and, quite and ready for that the,
3: and being on the corridor trails is safer absolutely it is there's you know a lot more people and there's there's water along the way um you know those those are those do make it safer absolutely so yeah if you especially if you're going to the non-corridor trails you need to be experienced um even if you go the corridor trails though I mean the the standard rim to rim -rim is not easy you shouldn't take that lightly no one should ever take it lightly because people do die just Mm -hmm. doing that um especially people that try and do it in the middle of summer um so um, yeah. but it is it, it's amazing, I mean, you know, and I've every time I've done it I've loved it um, even that time when there were a thousand people doing it, um, it was still an incredible experience
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, okay, so Canyon and then um, any others that like that you just like, yeah, I mean this when I asked you what were some of your highlights, any others that were in there?
3: Uh, Wonderland circumnavigation mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, that's my number one favorite adventure run I've ever done. Interesting. It's just that be- I've I've uh, been
1: in the area, but I've not done uh, the circumnavigation or big chunks of the Wonderland. I can imagine, but it's just that beautiful, huh?
3: It is. Um, I, I I wanted to. I'd wanted to do that for quite a while, and um, yeah, one weekend I was just like, I'm going to go do it. And I and I always wanted to do it by myself, solo no drop bags, no, you know, just carry everything I needed, get water along the way. And it was just very logistically simple. Just drive there, run a loop and drive home. And I mm-hmm. have to worry about other people meeting me and whatnot. And, um, and that's what I did. And I carried way too much food and gear because I'd never done anything like that by myself before, but you know, I guess it's better to have too much than too little for that. And um, it was, I, I did it. I, I timed it with a full moon and I just remember having my headlamp off for part of the night section and, and the moon just shining down on the, on the wildflowers. And I can just see the, like the purples and the reds of the, of the wildflowers, you know, just by the light of the moonlight. And it was just so beautiful and, and I'll never forget that. And um, it was it was an incredible experience just doing doing that all by myself and you know relying on me and um you know if something really would have happened i mean eventually someone would have come up on me it wasn't like there was no one out there but Mm -hmm. it was uh the the wonderland is it's pretty uh, it's pretty epic and that's i know that word can be used (laughs) over overused but i don't think it can be overused for the wonderland it was uh it was an incredible experience.
1: And for those who don't know the Wonderland trail going around uh, Mount Ranier, uh, it's full circumnavigation yeah. navigation and it's hundred, how, how many miles? 93
3: miles and somewhere around 25, 26, 7,000 feet of vert. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: Something like that. Yeah. And how long did it take you? How long were you out?
3: Uh, 34 hours.
1: 34 hours. Just you and your flip phone and a uh, what you're no. carrying on your back.
3: No, I wasn't carrying my foot phone. Why would, I, why would I carry my phone? <laughs> yeah, so to
1: that point in those self-experiences and, and – right, because I was thinking as you were – as you started talking about it, the beauty, I was like, well, knowing Sean, he didn't really have anything with him. So he didn't wasn't taking any of these beautiful photos while he's out. It's all kind of right up here and in the
3: experience, but there, there's no like – there's no record of it. Well, no, I did take a camera with me though. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you, you know um, – there are things called cameras that aren't associated Wait. with phones.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you don't have a, a smartphone though. Are there, can you even, I mean, they don't exist I mean, I know they used to in like the eighties, but.
3: Even, even now, you know, cause my wife, she has a flip phone too, but uh, we, we have a camera, like That's a digital weird. camera and she takes pictures. I'm horrible at pictures, but I did take a camera with me to the Wonderland cause I knew I yeah. wanted to take pictures of that.
1: Yeah. That's weird all right um all right so you got uh, canyon i uh, got wonderland any other just kind of your epic top list
3: um as far as, far as adventure runs th- those are definitely the two adventure runs how about um, top hit
1: races for
3: oh well let's talk about because
1: i actually had a picture of this too in um but tell us about your race. Uh, we don't even necessarily have to, to plug the photo as You in race director mode, yeah. but I wanted to go here too. So Sean being a race director as well, and uh, you supported uh, community and team for, for so many years, and it's a truly beautiful uh, course uh, as well. Oh, what would you
3: know? You never ran it.
1: I Did I not? Did I not? One, no. one year? Sherry early ran early it
3: twice with my dog, but you never ran it. Did I not sure. actually
1: participate you in the race? <laughs> you never did I
3: not? ran the Peterson Ridge Rumble. Sherry and Sasha ran it twice and in but I'm
1: right. Well, I, I, you're right, but I have been out on the course uh, a number of times and it is a truly beautiful course.
3: And it is. Yeah. I was very fortunate to live in sisters and, um, yeah, it's, it's called the Peterson Ridge rumble. Um, it started in, I moved to sisters in 2002. It started in 2003. Um, I was just running the trails up there. I was like, "Oh, there should be a race here," and so I talked to the Forest Service, and they said, "Yeah, we'll give you a permit." And so I made a made a course. It's uh, 17 miles. It started and finished up my house. Um, I charged 10 bucks a person, and 31 people and six dogs ran it that year, and um, I ended up in about 250 bucks in the red. <laughs> um, but it was awesome because I had like a barbecue at my house afterwards and beer and stuff like that. But, but I just wanted people to come out and run it. You know, I, I wasn't trying to make money. I didn't, I wasn't trying to lose money, but I did But whatever. Um, and then I was like, Oh, this was cool. And so then the next year I um, added an ultra to it. It was a 30, 34 miles and 17 miles. They, they were two separate um, loops. It wasn't just a double loop. And it became part of the Oregon Trail series at the time, which is um, six or seven ultras around Oregon, and that increased the um, participation. You know, the per- and focus yeah, participants from knowledge. thirty-one to two hundred people, um, <laughs> and then it's just been snowballing since then. It's uh, now now it's a twenty-mile and forty-mile, and I get five hundred people that run it every year, um, and it's two, two weeks or two months from tomorrow. It's April 10th this year. And um, yeah, it's a, a fundraiser, the main fundraiser for the sisters high school cross country team. Um, I was a, I was a volunteer assistant coach for that team. And that, that's where I got my coaching start too. was there. But uh yeah, I didn't necessarily start the race to be a, a fundraiser for them. I started just to have a race, but then after, when I got that success that second year, I'm like, Oh, I have this money. Oh, I'm going to give this to the cross country team. And so every year since that's what I do. Um, I don't take salary from this race. I just, I, I, I pay for my expenses of course, but then I donate a lot of money to the sister's high school cross country team. Um, and this year is going to be year number 20. And over the years they've, Gotten well over $100,000, maybe $200,000. I don't know. (laughs) I was just sad as you were talking and knowing the numbers, it's like there's no high
1: school cross country team that needs that kind of revenue. Like (laughs) you're giving them an insane amount of money, which is awesome. But like, what are you buying a new team? Bus to go to the races
3: like each year they they, they usually get sweatshirts every year and so sweatshirts you know, that's a pretty pricey sweatshirts that you're in. and you know if, if some kids need some need shoes they'll get shoes still, all right give all, the, team, all give the whole team a pair of shoes too but you're still not there they, and, and you know they go on trips and you know that like it, they go to state like um the school will pay for one night so then then they'll go to the coast for another night and hang out the coast and go to a nice dinner and just and then buy a coastal
1: piece of land or property right. and have a
3: team retreat out there. Exactly. Someone's mm-hmm. got to pay those taxes. Come awesome. on.
1: Yeah. Well, you're in Oregon. So
3: there's right. you're, not hey, like there's, you're in New York. There's no sales tax. There's yeah. got to be property tax. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so but yeah, that that's a that's a very important thing to me is to is that race. I love that race um like that that's my goal race every year if every race that i compete in goes bad but the rumble goes well then that's a successful year for me yeah Um, yeah yeah that's That's awesome and and over the years the the because the high school kids they come out and they help and then after they graduate they'll come back and they run the race then and it's it's pretty cool to you know they 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 just see full circle you know they're running 5k and cross country and then they see these older people you know and for them you know 40s 50s 60s you know older running 40 mile events they're like whoa that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. and then they'll come back and run and that that means a lot to me when they come back and do it i I appreciate that cool
1: and so that would be your baby um you mentioned hag lake earlier is one that you would keep going back to uh, mm-hmm. Some others off the top of your head that have been like, because you, you've you've been around, man, and you've done a lot of uh, different events. Yeah, oh, um, any other top, like sort of for Horn any people that Horn. may listen
3: to this? Bighorn one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to that five times. Um, that's in north central Wyoming, a um, little town called Dayton. Um, it was my first 50-miler, and it was my first 100-miler. And uh, they have a 100-mile, 50-mile, 50K, and 30K. So you can you can bring the whole gang, and everyone's got a got the distance to race, um, and, and and I love that about it. Just it's a they still try and keep it low key, but it's it's a bigger race now than when I first started doing it. But they do a really good job of organizing it, of staggering the starts so people from the four different events finish around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, the hundred miles starts on Friday, then the other three races start different times on Saturday morning and it's it's a super cool community there. They have a few um, remote aid stations that cowboys just pack in on their horses and these guys aren't runners at all, but they just they know how to take care of people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they do, you know. The, you know, the race gives them this food and they don't, you know, they're like what's a gel, you know, whatever. But they're out there frying up bacon and you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere running and you just smell bacon and you're like, that's crazy. And a mile later, there's some hot bacon for you that these cowboys have been cooking up. And that's pretty cool. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, Big Bighorn. I've done the 50 mile four times and 100 mile once. That's a super cool, super, super cool event there.
1: And that's lottery now, right, on Bighorn? Is that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's um, okay. Yeah, Okay. Yeah. All right. So Bighorn? Yeah, what else jumps?
3: Some of the other. Um, I've done Walk 100K times. So that's another one that I really love too. Just to uh, run in the Marin Headlands. It's super cool running there. Be- beautiful. My, it's kind of my kind of running. A lot of either easier um, single track or fire roads. And easier, I mean, not technical. It's hilly, yeah. but it's not technical there. And just beautiful views of the ocean and just nice flowy trails. Um, and a good and classic is one really, really well organized it's it's a, mm-hmm. cl- a classic
1: um and i think uh, chrissy is going back i think running this year and it's her first okay? like, long race and wow, i think she's doing miwak right. if i remember right cool. uh and she's pretty pretty excited and that's and that, which i think makes sense in terms of talking about going back to the roots i mean that is one of the classics and a well-done event and a beautiful it event is. and
3: yeah yeah, yeah Miwok, it's been around for a long time for a reason. You, you know, know? It's, yeah, they do a great job of it. I don't even know if Tia is still a instructor or not, but um it was Tia Bodington for a long time. Mm-hmm. But um whoever's doing it now, they do a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah.
1: Um cool. Well, they are definitely some good ones. Um what do you got coming up uh this year? What you what you what you doing?
3: Um I'm gonna ride my bicycle across the United States. Oh, are you really? I am. Did I not tell you that?
1: And, uh, if you did, I was in just a bad okay. way and I wasn't really processing. Maybe, it. Well, maybe I didn't tell you
3: that. Um, yeah. I got into cycling like when I was 14 and shortly after I got into it, I, that was one of my goals was to bike across the country. And um, you know, I, and I, I got into cycling pretty hardcore, like in my teens and twenties, I, I raced bikes and stuff like that. I was a leg shaver for a while. And then late 20s, when I got into ultras, I pretty much stopped riding. Um, and then five years ago or so, I got the bike back out. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to ride my bike cross country. And so that's been ahead for a few years. And then, but but I also wanted to get my 200th ultra out of the way or, or just get, not get out of the way because that wasn't, but I, mm, but I wanted yeah. to do it. That was a goal of mine was to get. And so I did that last summer. And so this year I was like, okay, this is the year I'm going to bike across the country. And so um, my tentative starting date is May 10th. I'm going to start in Pacific City, Oregon, because that's my favorite town on the Oregon coast. And uh, then hopefully five weeks and 3,500 miles later, I'm going to finish in Lewis, Delaware. um, Because that's about five minutes from my uh, in-laws house.
1: Um, why don't you, why don't you just,
3: um, why don't you just ride with Wardian or why don't you just follow but, R- Wardian? Cause I'm, I, and I saw that he's, he's starting about, uh, a, a, he's starting May 1st. He's it's close. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But he's going to be farther South. He's basically running on highway 50. He's, he's going to be running about a mile from where I currently live. Highway 50 goes right by my house here, but I, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be farther North than he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and once I make it through Wyoming, like the central US and the eastern US have a lot of rail trails, and I want to get on those when I can, mm-hmm. um rather than just riding on the main highway. Um but yeah, when I heard about him doing that, I was like, "Oh, we may cuz he's finishing in Rehoboth Beach, which is I mean, that's right next to there's like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, I mean, what, yeah, miles and, or
2: whatever.
3: Yeah, Lewis and Rehoboth are like 2 miles from each other. So, um, and what's the um you said it's going to
1: how long is your target five weeks is that
3: what you said yeah uh, yeah it's it's gonna be uh, i'm shooting for about 100 miles a day and it's about 3500 mile route that i'm doing so five weeks um mm-hmm. yeah so it's yeah just something i've wanted to do for since i was 14 and for 34 years so uh that's exciting yeah. why don't you
1: maybe uh maybe horton can get out there and join you for some miles as well Well,
3: and i i talked to him at hellgate about it and he said he might do that uh-huh. um yeah but yeah, yeah, you I'm gonna, to- I'm, I'm gonna stay in hotels along the way. I'm not gonna camp, um, because I wanna, I don't wanna carry all that much weight. I don't wanna set up my tent every night and take it down in the morning. I want to get good sleep and have a lighter bike and, and so that's, and then it'll just make it easier to ride 100 miles a day maybe you
1: want to crash when you want to crash and not have to socialize but it seems like you've got a big enough network and those of us out there who are your friends a big enough network where you it seems like you can get like house stays probably at least a chunk of that
3: and if i can that's great um you know i don't know a lot of people in the midwest though where i'll be i will be riding through there yeah but, um, but uh yeah i've I, I pretty much have the route down through wyoming because I, I know the western u.s i know where i want to go there then it's after that it's piecing together the rail trails that I'm finding and other just not not super busy highways. Um, hmm.
1: That's great, man. That's really exciting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I bought a gravel bike a year and a half ago with the intent of using it for um for that. So mm-hmm. yeah, getting out, getting a bit on that now and I'm um getting getting ready for it.
1: So that's the focus. And anything else? Uh, I know you got Mac Forest. At least you're signed up for it. Anything else, event-wise, outside of those two things?
3: Well, I signed up for Mac because I'm because I was because I'm going to run or do my bike ride. Start my bike ride just a few days after that. So I'm like, oh, I'll be out in Oregon for the bike ride. So I might as well run McDonald Forest before that.
1: Might um, as well. So,
3: so yeah, that'll be my ninth McDonald Forest. Um, so that's another one that I really love. So uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'd like to get ten there sometime. And I thought this was a logistically easy time to do it, since I'll be out there anyway. But then, as far as other running races, um, uh, we, my wife and I, might run a trail marathon in Texas next month. She has a goal; she wants to run a marathon in every state. And so, when I married her, that kind of de facto became one of my goals too. But, um, but uh, yeah, we may. May go run when they're on her spring break, but other than that, um, it's, I, I'm doing the local Frida Sweetheart 10K this weekend. Oh, right on! Uh, I imagine
1: I'll hopefully see a good. Are you both doing it? Are you gonna? And do you have your outfit picked out yet? Your kit?
3: Well, we were talking about outfit today, as mm-hmm. a matter of fact. Yeah, um, I bet. As a matter of fact, we were. Yeah, um, not quite picked out, but it'll, I'll, I'll, I'll find something. I still got a couple days to come through so um but yeah that's you know the 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 main thing at least the first half of the year is uh the bike ride and then i'll do see where
1: life comes from there
3: yeah I, i did sign up for a gravel bike race in april a few weeks before my big bike ride, just it's in my town, and for 125 miler, I'm like, oh, I, sh- I better be able to ride 125 miles by then. So,
1: <laughs> you know, you're going to get out there and you're going to be kind of tired, and you're like, oh gosh, like I, I can't I ride cross country. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've never done a gravel race, so I think that'll be kind of fun.
1: What's your fuel of choice? What are you planning on for what's going to be in your bottles on that cross country ride?
3: Oh man, what I mean you know, also by noon, but I'm not going to make five, I'm not going to carry five weeks worth of noon tablets in my, you know, on my bike with me. Cause that would just take up way too much space and be way too heavy. So it's what I, what I can get along the way. Um, uh-huh. But you know, if I can get noon along the way, that's great. But sometimes it'll be Coke in there. It'll be a lot of water. It will be just whatever the, um, you know, convenience store has. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, or, and, you know, I'm sure I'll go by, you know, some bike shops and running stores that will have, you know, the other stuff. But um, I, I don't think most of it's going to be like that. Most of it's going to be getting stuff from grocery stores and convenience stores and um, things like that, whatever. Are you going to have your up.
1: route out there in case anybody wants to join you for a
3: uh, segment? I will. Yeah, I'll probably put that out there once I once I know it for sure. Yeah, not that you're
1: going to be able to look at it though without a smartphone you can't see what people are checking it's not like you can use your flip phone to look at that map and people you know interacting
3: yeah well i i do have a little bike computer though but um i might <laughs> get some sort it. of a some sort of a bike gps type thing so i don't have to pull <laughs> come on out. dude break
1: down and get yourself get yourself a smartphone so you can interact on this bike trip and so those yeah. of us can follow
3: you I had a job working for the census last year. I had to use a smartphone, and I hated typing on it. It just I, – I couldn't do it.
1: So <laughs> yeah, I, I think you'll get used to it like the rest of us, but that's all right.
3: It was horrible. It was horrible. Uh-huh. I'll probably um, have to get a tablet just so I can carry some sort of a thing with me because I'm not going to carry a laptop with me, but uh, so a small tablet, I'll carry that.
1: You're ridiculous. All right, but I look forward to seeing the uh, the route, and if there's a way that we can intersect you somewhere, I'll look out for it.
3: I'll, I'll be your area. It'll be like southern PA.
2: Yeah,
1: my uh, my that window between end of April and mm, July Fourth weekend is going to be totally nuts. But I'll see what see if we okay. can make it happen.
3: Okay. No, um, yeah, that, I'll, I'll be your area. It'll, well, that'll be towards the end of my route. That'll be like mid June when I'll be in like Southern PA. So.
1: Yeah. So I was thinking I've got Cayuga trails, June 4th, Ithaca half marathon, June 11th. Uh, so that's, I'm going to be.
3: Maybe tra- right, maybe right after the half marathon, you come down.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Know. That would be a good uh, way to try to unwind a bit. Um, Well, cool, man. Thank you for um, giving up a good chunk of your time here to engage a talk shop, to let me throw up some
3: solid photos of you in the mix. My favorite was the first one though, because so many people believed me with the banter. And as you being one of the most sarcastic people I know, I love that I tricked you on that. I freaking love that. Nah, thing.
1: I I was trying to I was trying to get myself to figure out how that could be you, but I was like dude, that's not him. <laughs> but, that cool. And I even looked at, I think I saw another picture of your dad somewhere and I was like, dude, that's not his dad. <laughs> but See, but I yeah, I like that it was and that just yeah. makes
3: that so awesome. I love that.
1: Yeah yeah um and so for those of you who were able to tune in with us this evening uh thank you so much thanks for those of you who will listen to it later sean if anybody wants to uh track you down hire you as a coach use the wealth of knowledge that you
3: have where do they find you um either on facebook just sean meisner or or if they want to um email me uh coach sean at peterson ridge rumble Dot com right on it's probably the easiest of my email addresses to remember but um yeah or you can send in an email a, a message and he'll he'll forward you to me um, connect
0: yeah
2: yeah
3: or
1: the
2: cool. Peter well,
3: Rumble website too that's that's an easy way to get a hold of me as well
1: well thanks for going along with me here tonight uh thanks so again all those who, who tuned in uh draw some comments and uh yeah. Uh, so next next yeah. week, we will do a, a rundown of more of the events, uh, whether it be people uh, talking through um, uh, Frozen Snot, uh, potentially Black Canyon. We'll see how that goes. And we'll see what next week brings. I think the week after is Jeff Browning on deck. Um, Sean, maybe we can Browning, even get in there that, a little bit. Another
3: we'll one of our in. Central Oregon boys. That's
1: right. Yeah. Um, All right. So I am going to sign off uh, tonight. Thanks again to everybody and I will catch you on the next round.
3: See you. Bye everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the trails collective live show. You can follow me at Gazelle on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow the Trails Collective on Instagram and Facebook. And I really need to figure out what I should do in these outros. But uh, I'm just going to remind you that we got that snickerdoodle cookie challenge going on. We got some fun stuff coming out. And um, yeah, so pay attention and or, or I guess listen in. And uh, thank you always for your support and um, continued Uh, listening of this, what we're putting out here. (laughs) Uh, Have a good one, guys.